Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Happy Father's Day. I have a few things about Father's Day just at the beginning here that don't have much to do with the lesson, but I thought you might enjoy them. Here's one. This is a quote. A father carries his pictures where his money used to be. <laughs> Here's another one. Never raise your hand to your kids, Red Button says. It leaves your groin un- unprotected. <laughs> Here's a good one. An army brat was boasting about his father to a Navy brat. My dad is an engineer. He can do everything. You know the Alps? Yeah, said the Navy son. My dad built them. Then the Navy kid says, Oh, yeah? You know the Dead Sea? Yeah? My dad killed it. (laughs) Clergyman walking down a country lane. He sees a young farmer struggling to load hay back onto a cart after it had fallen off. The the clergyman says, You look hot, my son. Why don't you take a rest a moment and, and I'll give you a hand. No, thanks, said the young man. My father wouldn't like it. Don't be silly, the minister said. Everyone is entitled to a break. Come, have a drink of water. Again, the young man protested. My father would be very upset. Well, losing his patience, the clergyman said, Your father must be a real slave driver. Tell me where I can find him and I'll give him a piece of my mind. Well, the young farmer replied, He's under the load of hay. (laughs) Perhaps anticipating the wrath of the father. Got one more for you. Small boy sent to bed by his father. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a glass of water? Is this based in reality at all? Okay. Um, No, you had your chance. Lights out. Well, five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a glass of water? I told you no. If you ask again, I'll have to spank you. Five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come in to spank me, can you bring a glass of water? (laughs) (laughs) The title of the message is The Benefits of Justification. I went on the web actually looking for something that might be funny about the benefits of fatherhood. Couldn't find any. (laughs) We know there are many, but I just couldn't find any on the web. But actually, you know what? It worked out pretty good because these last couple that I shared with you, you could probably say the benefits of having a great father-son relationship. The benefits of blowing it and knowing that your father still loves you. You guys remember the TV ad? I think it was American Express. Membership has its privileges. Remember that? Well, today you could say justification has its benefits. We're going to look at a laundry list here of the benefits of justification. Let me back up and get some of you up to speed. We're in Romans chapter 5, right? We've seen that God is righteous, perfect, absolutely perfect, and we've seen very clearly that we are not. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3, verse 20, declares over and over again, we are all sinners. There's not one of us righteous. No, the Bible says not one. We are condemned to death because we are law breakers. But then we come to Romans chapter 3, verse 25, or excuse me, verse 21, and it says that God has made a way apart from the law to make lawbreakers like us righteous. It's a holy swap. Jesus lives, lived a perfect life, <clears throat> and then he died in my place. He paid for my sin. The Bible says, He who never sinned, Jesus, became sin in my place, that I might become, holy swap, the righteousness of God. I might have right standing before God. We've seen this word, and, and it's going to be helpful today. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what the word justified means. It means just as if I had never sinned. So today, we have established then that the only way to be justified is not through behaving. We should behave, but there's no way to be justified before God by behaving, but by believing in the finished work of Jesus upon the cross, right? Our text today is a laundry list 
of the things that believers, and I hope you're one, enjoy because they are justified. Matter of fact, why don't you guys say that with me? When I say it slowly like this, justified, you say just as if I'd never sinned. We tried it last service. It's kind of not really together, but we'll see how we can do. Justified. Wow. You guys have more sleep. Maybe that's it. Now, don't say it every time I say the word justified fast because you'll be, you'll be here all day. Just when I say it slow like that, okay? Justification, it means to take sinners like you and me and make us justified. Had one illustration that, uh, that Philip just shared with me inadvertently this morning. He was learning, he had seen on TV about this thing in the music world called auto-tune. It's where you can sing just pretty much as badly as possible and you send it through this machine that auto-tunes, right? <laughs> like some of you are like, awesome! Okay, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's actually made for many careers, I think. So uh, we were thinking about having Philip sing a line and then giving you an example, but we'll spare him, or you. I should, all right. Here we go. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. What we're looking at is a benefit, a list of benefits for those who have been justified. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first benefit then of justification is peace with God. Now, let me back up one more time and make sure that you understand by way of reminder that the way that we are justified, just as if we'd never sinned, is only by faith, by trusting Jesus. It's not a condition that we can achieve. It's a commodity we must receive by faith, by trusting Him, it says at the end of verse 1, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, The way that this happens is if you trust Jesus, you make Him your Lord. You make Him your boss. You hand Him the keys to your life. Say, I'm a sinner. I need for you to account for me, to put in my account your righteousness. It's asking God the Father to make that holy swap, to put into your account, and you're bankrupt, to put into your account Jesus' righteousness. The awesome thing is that He promises to do that. To everyone who asks, he will not turn away. Okay? And the second that happens, and I hope it's happened in your life, the middle of verse 1 says that we have peace with God. We have peace with God only through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, all of us have been in the past, and if you're an unbeliever here, I need to say, you still are at war with God. Every single person in this room either has been or still is at war with God. Now, can I say that that's the wrong warrior to pick a fight with? Now, maybe you're thinking, you're an unbeliever here, but you're thinking, how's that? I mean, I don't remember slapping God with my glove, challenging Him to a duel. I mean, I leave God alone. He leaves me alone. It's a pretty good situation. I just do my own thing. I haven't offended him. I haven't challenged him to a fight. Well, think about this. Number one, he is your creator, right? He created you. For argument's sake, let's say that you had the ability. You could create a living thing, a living being, and you could give them a free will, okay? Let's say that you created them to trim your bushes. And they're the first day on the job... This created being of yours, instead of trimming the bushes, goes into your closet and starts cutting up your clothes. And you say to it, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it says to you, I'm doing my own thing. Anytime a created being does his or, own, his or her own thing, by definition, that's an act of rebellion, of defiance against the creator. Maybe you've heard it said, it's well said, that sin, every sin, little ones, big ones, is like shaking your finger in the face of a holy, righteous God. It's like saying to God, save it. I'll do what I want. See, God is righteous. He's a righteous warrior. He must be an enemy of sin. Unrighteousness, right? 
And the holy warrior God cannot just let rebellion slide. He must seek it out. He must battle evil, sin, wherever it lurks. He's a warrior. Each one of us were at enmity with God. We were battling him, warring him, fighting him, just like, huh, the writer of this letter, Paul. Remember, back in the day, his name was Saul. Remember when the warrior God knocked him off his horse and said, Saul, why are you fighting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? Today you would say, your arms are too short to box with God. Compare that Saul with the Paul, same guy, different name, who writes these words, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God, Paul says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you at peace with God? Here's the thing. If you're coming here today and you do not know Him, if you have not given your life to Him, I want to encourage you. This is exactly what God did for Paul. He, he found a way that Paul could be at peace with Him. And Paul had d- done some really pretty terrible things. He did it for Paul. He did it for me. He did it for many of the people in this room. And He'll do it for you if you'll come to Him in surrender. The only way to peace... To not, no longer battle or kick against the goats, no longer, to no longer fight against God, is by surrender. You're never going to beat Him. The only way to lasting peace with a holy God is by way of surrender. Now, how specifically is this, this quality, peace with God, how is it a benefit of justification? Well, think it through. God battles evil, right? He battles sin. But guess what? When I'm justified, I'm... He doesn't have to battle me anymore. He's not bound by righteous oath to battle the sin that was in me. The war is over. I'm no longer battling him. He's no longer battling me because the sin issue is dealt with. You get it? I got a couple applications for you. Obviously, if you're a non-believer and you're here this morning, welcome, by the way, but here's your application. Surrender. That is, surrender your life to him. Believe that he is who he says he is and that he loved you enough to die for your sins and that 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 death, that payment was sufficient to cover your sin and you will be justified. That's the application for the non-believer. Here's an application for the believer. Are you enjoying your peace with God? Or do you sometimes, somehow, still think that God is battling you? That he has it out for you. Seems to me, if that describes you, you need a better understanding of this word. You need to own it just if I. He's made me just as if I'd never sinned. You see, justification has its benefits. That's the first benefit that we are no longer at war with God, we are at peace with God. Here's the next benefit. Verse 2 we have access. Actually, let's start in verse 1 and get a running start. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Second benefit of justification, access to the holy throne of God. 24-7, 365 days a year. There's an illustration I heard. A young boy waits in tears outside of Buckingham Palace. He just wanted to see King George. Didn't ask much. Just wanted to see King George V. But the guards, of course, turned him away. Well, soon a a very well-dressed man approaches. Says, what's the problem, son? I wanted to see the king and they won't let me. Well, the man says, just hold my hand and walk with me. 
The boy grabs the hand and he's amazed. Now that the guards are saluting, he goes past the dignitaries. There's servants everywhere, but they're all just standing at attention as he walks by. He, the, every door is now opened wide for him. And very quickly, he finds himself right there in the throne room, the presence of the king. It's then that the well-dressed gentleman turns to him and says, Hello, I am the Prince of Wales, the son of the king. Get it? That's a, a great illustration because it's because of the son and only because of the son that we have complete, unrestricted, wide open access to not just royalty, but our creator, the one who is king of kings, right? Lord of lords. Not just anyone, but God, our creator. I think sometimes we, we kind of forget really what privilege we have. In case you've forgotten what a big deal this is, this access, you remember that in the temple in the Old Testament, they had this room, the Holy of Holies. If there was ever a room that would be considered God's throne room, that would be it, right? Remember how all of Israel treated the Holy of Holies? Once a year, the biggest muckety-muck in Israel, okay, the biggest dog, the guy who was the most holy, once a year he would get to go in, just him, get to go into this Holy of Holies, and he would go in on behalf of the people. But you know what? When he went in, there was a rope tied around his ankle. And there was a bell on that rope. He would say to his buddies, okay, here's the deal. As long as you hear the bell ringing, we're good. Okay, but if the bell stops, use the rope to drag my carcass out. Unless any of you wants to just come into the Holy of Holies and get me. No, I think we'll just drag your body out. That's how holy, that's how righteous God is. That's how dangerous it is to come into the presence of a perfectly righteous God. But guess what? Because of Jesus, everyone in this room who knows him, you are just if I'd. That's pretty cool. 24-7, you have access to him with no rope tied around your ankle. No bell waiting to declare your demise. Amazing. You guys remember that in Mark fifteen thirty eight, the moment that Jesus died, paying for your sin, it says that the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The, to, so that people could, they would, they would be aghast. Well, we can, we can see the Holy of Holies. This, this veil was really thick and it was really high. And notice that it says that it was torn from the top to the bottom. No man was going to be able to go from the bottom to the top and tear it. No, it's like God took his finger when Jesus paid the price and said, because, you, because of Jesus, what he's done, those of you who are justified can now have free access. Awesome. And notice the details of this access. Verse 2. Because of Jesus, verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace. It's a great word. It means unmerited favor, unmerited goodness, undeserved favor. It means the goodwill, the loving kindness of God. Some of you may, may know this acronym, grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. What this means is that God is gracious as he's there on the throne. Think about this. What this means is that when you come to him 24-7, 365 days a year, he is smiling. He's happy to see you. Y'all, this is huge because what it means is he not only loves you, but he likes you. Now, if you're like me, a lot of times you're like, okay, I know he loves me. He has to. That's his job. But this says that he actually enjoys you. He enjoys your company. And it's really important to get. This is not because you are good. 
but because He is good. Shared this on Thursday. It's like Dennis the Menace cartoon. He has, he and Margaret, I think it is, have all of this brownies all over their face. They're just enjoying brownies. It's awesome. And Margaret says, I wonder what we did that was so great that made Mrs. Wilson make us these brownies. Dennis goes, oh, it's not because we're good. It's because Mrs. Wilson is good. Get it? Let me ask it this way. What good is 24-7 access to the throne room of God if he's mad at you? Right? What, what, what good is that kind of access if he just puts up with you? If he just seems like he's disappointed in you? Guess what? You have access 24-7 to a king that, according to these verses, say that he smiles when you enter the holy of holies. I know some of you are saying, not me. I just know that when I come in, he'll roll his eyes. Yeah, here we go again. Please listen very carefully. It says we have access by faith into this grace, his goodness. It says in which we stand. The word stand is histemai. It means to stand still, to stand, listen, immovable, to stand firm. This is important to get. I hope you get this. You ever do something bad? Okay, I'll just stop there. Yeah? Okay. Um, But you ever do something bad and you think to yourself, man, I can't go to God now. I can't pray to Him now. Maybe I'll just lay low for a couple days. Hope that He kind of just forgets. I'll just approach Him in a couple days under an alias. You ever feel that way? What? If you do that, what you're doing is you're basing your prayer life on your good works or lack thereof. Your good works or your goofs. Listen, when you do that, your prayer life is guaranteed to be hit and miss. More miss than hit. Because which one of us is worthy to go into his presence by our own righteousness? What Paul is saying here, guys, is that Please don't base your prayer life on your goodness or lack thereof. Base your prayer life on His goodness, on His graciousness, His loving kindness toward you, because that, you will find, is immovable. And please notice, too, it does not say that we have access by works into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith. The same faith that redeemed you the first time is the faith that gives you access To say, Lord, I know I don't deserve to be here, but you promised you were going to smile when I walked in the room. Maybe you're still thinking, but I, I just don't get it. How in the world could that be? It just doesn't make sense in my head. How could God be so gracious to me even when I blow it? Here's how. Because by Jesus' blood you are just if I. You get it? Application, are you enjoying this benefit of justification? Are you enjoying employing the fact that you have constant, unwavering access to a God who is gracious toward you? Oh, and by the way, a God who can do anything. Are you enjoying this wonderful benefit of justification? Or are you through maybe laziness or through guilt... You're not benefiting from this which God has decided is a benefit of yours. Your application, if I'm speaking to you, is this. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Anyone need mercy this morning? Okay, All of us need it. Maybe you are acutely aware that you need mercy. Hebrews 4.16 says... That's the time. Go into His throne room that we may obtain mercy. And it says, find grace, His graciousness toward us to help in time of need. Maybe some of you are in great need. Are you employing, are you enjoying this benefit of justification? So, to review, the the day that you became saved, I hope I'm speaking to all of you, But the day that you became saved, you became just as if you'd never sinned. And that, number one, makes you at peace with the warrior God. Number two, that gives you current access right now. Right now you can step into his throne room. And number three, 
It gives you a certain future with him. Look at the end of it. It says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, we know for certain that we will see the glory of God and that makes us happy. Please understand where it says hope there. This is not the worldly kind of hope. The worldly kind of hope would read this way. I hope I get to see the glory of God. The hope in the Bible isn't that kind of hope. It's If you look it up in the Blue Letter Bible, in any concordance, what you'll see is this. The word hope means a joyful, confident, certain expectation. So not I hope I see the glory of God. I hope I make it to heaven. But I am joyfully confident. I'm certain that I will, it says, see the glory of God. Think about that for a second. The glory of God. Brightness of God. The glory of God was something that very, very few people saw and survived. Glory of God gave Moses a sunburn. It's an awesome sunburn. But for many others, they, they were like, Hey, Moses, why don't you just make that trip by yourself? We're, we're good right here. Now, if you remember, remember when um, enemies captured the Ark of the Covenant and uh, Dagon, this, this other god, falls and worships the, the Lord God in the ark. It's awesome. And so the, the uh, I think it's the Philistines are like, we're, we're up. we don't want this here. They send it back to Israel, right? And some of the people in Israel foolishly opened the Ark of the Covenant. Toast. Melted. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of stuff. Okay? The glory of God is not something that many people have experienced and survived. But the Bible says, listen, that there's coming a day when believers will see him face to face. And more crazily than that, we will be like him, it says. All of heaven will shine with his brightness, his glory. The Bible says, in him there is no darkness at all. Even the pavement is made of pure gold. The gates are made of jewels. And remember, this is the guy, the one who made the, 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 the owner and creator of heaven. Isn't he the one that created the sun? Listen, they don't make sunglasses with that much UV protection. And if they did, I'd lose mine. There's going to be glory everywhere, okay? The Bible says God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. No darkness, for instance, no dark spots on an x-ray, on a cat skin. No dark memories. You'll never be able to say, man, was this a dark day. No sickness. No pink slips. No calories. It's the only thing I got an amen for in the first service. No guilt. No regrets. Paul says one of the benefits of this justification is that we rejoice in the certainty that we will see the glory of God. And not only will we survive it, we will be in awe. It will be amazing. Because there will be no darkness that comes from sin. Because there will be no sin. No sin is allowed into heaven. If it were, that would ruin heaven. But maybe some of you are thinking again, you don't understand, I've done such dark, dark, bad things. I would ruin heaven single-handedly. Listen, if you know Jesus, that's exactly what he's paid for, right? If you could, if you could ruin heaven... Wouldn't you hate to be the one to ruin heaven? I show up, and I'm like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. And every thousand years, they stop and go, okay, once again, let's all say, thanks, Doug, for ruining heaven. <laughs> That's not heaven. Might be fun for you guys, but not for me. There's no darkness allowed, no sin allowed, but you can be confident that you will be there and see the glory of God if you are justified. 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 
you seen the awesome benefits of being justified. Um, I got an application for you on this one too. Might sound a little weird, but here's your application. I want you to boast. I want you to brag. Some of you are like, finally, an application I can do. Now, here's, here's what I mean. The word rejoice there literally means to boast. And if you've been paying attention, though, you remember a couple of weeks ago I said, that chapter 3, Paul said, if, if God has done it from beginning to end, if he's responsible for your salvation, where is boasting? You've got to leave boasting at the door, right? If you were able to participate in your own salvation, then there might be boasting allowed. But it's, there's no boasting allowed. You have to leave it at the door. So what in the world could I mean right now when I say I want you to boast? Let's use a different word. Broadcast. Paul says, look, I will boast. I will broadcast one thing. I am certain that I will see God's glory. But then he would quickly add, and you can too. Interested in how? See, I want you to boast in that way. You can, at Publix, wherever, you can say, even though I sin, even today I sin, I am justified. Just as if I never sinned. Really? Sounds crazy. How does that work? Glad you asked. Maybe you could have a a, a sign or, or a shirt or a um, bumper sticker that says, I've got a glorious future ahead of me. And you can too. Or, or post it on Facebook. See what kind of conversations begin. Or maybe just think it and smile. I've got a glorious future ahead of me. Smile a lot. And then when they ask you what, why you're crazy, why, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy all of a sudden? Are you sniffing glue again? No, you say, it's because I have a glorious future ahead of me. And guess what? You can too. I'm justified. I'm just as if I'd never sinned. So the benefits of being, of being justified, peace with God, access to your Creator, and He happens to be smiling. A certain future, you will see the glory of God. And Paul's on a roll now, do you see? He's like a late night product commercial. But wait, there's more. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Wait, what? Paul says we glory in tribulations? Uh, if we were to stop there, do we? Do we glory in tribulations? Most of us are thinking right now, what Paul did right there in that verse went from preaching way past meddling on to crazy. What does Paul mean here? Does he mean, hey, pink slip, woohoo, thank you, God? Sickness, sweet, this rocks. No, this should help. Remember that one of the definitions of glory is brightness or to shine? I think that helps a lot. Look at verse 3. And not only that, but we also shine in tribulations. Tribulation, it's thalipsis, it means pressure. Trial, pressure. It actually was a means of torture. This is the way that they would extract information from an unwilling witness. They would have that victim lay under a board and they would set a huge boulder on top of that board. What would happen is the weight of that boulder would press down so that whenever you released air, you could never get it back. You could never take in air. You could never catch your breath. It was a suffocating, crushing kind of pressure. Maybe today, some of you are under what you would swear is that kind of pressure. You can't even catch your breath. You are suffering under the weight of it all. Can I say something really bold to you? You're like, you're going to say it anyway. Here it is. Now's your opportunity to shine. To shine in tribulation. Now, I know it doesn't make sense. Hopefully it will here in a second. Paul gives a logical defense next of what seems to be a, uh, an illogical proposal. Look at verse 3. He says, not only that, but we also shine in tribulations because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. 
And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. You ever notice the difference? I hope you have. I hope you've actually shown the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian in the midst of a crushing trial. I hope that you have seen it and I hope that you have lived it. Let me give you a very little example and I know it's probably offensive to some of you because it so little compares to the, maybe the trial that you're going through right now but it's, it's the one that I have. Autism. Noah, our oldest boy, has autism. The rates of divorce among parents of autistic kids is crazy through the roof. But Lisa and I, we have joy. I I can tell you we have never turned to one another, given another a high five and said, autism rocks. No. But we we are unusual in that autism, listen, has not crushed us. The weight's still there, but it does not crush us. We just are like, wow, still breathing. It's not crushed us. It's not destroyed our family. Yes, the rock is heavy, but we just keep breathing joyfully. I'm going to go through this verse 3 rather quickly so as not to lose the larger point. But if you want to spend some time on your own checking out this list. Because what Paul sees here, his perspective has changed on, on trials. And he goes, this is what we've discovered as Christians. We shine in tribulations because we know our eyes have been opened literally to this. That tribulation produces perseverance. Real quickly, you could probably sum that up in no pain, no gain, right? Paul says, look, the the Christian has discovered about tribulation that it produces something. That there's no tribulation that happens to you or me as a Christian that is good for nothing. It always produces something, and it's a good something. It's called perseverance. That means steadfastness, endurance, stick-to-itiveness, the ability to stay under the rock as long as it takes. Now, some of you are thinking, woohoo, big deal. I just as soon uh, pass on the tribulation and the perseverance, if you don't mind. But wait a second. After tribulation produces perseverance, then what does perseverance produce? Character. The word means a lasting positive personality trait that makes you useful. A lasting personality trait that makes you useful. The word is dokume. It means approved. Listen to this uh, text from Barnhouse. He says, in the ancient world, there was no banking system as we know it today and no paper money. All money was made from metal. It was heated until liquid. It was poured into molds and allowed to cool. When the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth smooth off the uneven edges. The coins were comparatively soft, and, of course, many people shaved them closely. In one century, more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of whittling down the coins when in circulation. But some money changers were men of integrity who would accept no counterfeit money. They were men of honor who put only genuine, full-weight money into circulation and they would have a little sign that says dokume improved they would only put full weight money into circulation let me hopefully tie this together for you some of you I know have already found this to be true the trials that you face they give you weight full weight there's weight to your words to your testimony When you share with someone who is going through heartache, your words have weight to them because you truly know what heartache is like. God wants you to have full weight so he can put you into circulation. Does that make sense? Tribulations, even the one that you might be suffering right now, that feels so crushing to you right now, produces endurance. And that endurance then creates strength of character and it qualifies you for a future work that God has for you so he can put you into circulation. I like what Pastor Gibb in Calvary Chapel, Orlando shared. 
on this. He says, God is in the process of making us veterans. Make sense? We're veterans. We're, we're not to be rookies all of our life. He's in the process of making us veterans so that our, our words have weight. Okay? Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. There's that word hope again. Again, not a I hope this works out, but I am certain, I have a certain expectation of something good. Now think about this. This naturally follows, right? You're going through a, a tribulation. You're going through a trial. You have perseverance. You, your character is beginning to be molded and shaped. You are beginning to be ready for circulation. Doesn't it make sense if he's qualifying you, that he's qualifying you for something? That he, Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the thoughts that he has for you. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. Do you get it? That's the way a Christian should see their trials. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 5, he says, Now, hope, the, the end product, hope does not disappoint. In other words, you are not going to get to heaven. You're not going to see God in His glory and then go, God, I need to talk to you. That trial, that one trial, the one that I was going through in 2010... Not worth it. You're not going to be able to say that because your hope will not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We're probably going to jump into verse 5 a little more, uh, more in-depth next time. But I want to show you two, quickly two things because they still uh, fit in this, this theme. The benefits of justification. One benefit of justification is the Holy Spirit given to us. See, the Bible says that our bodies are the dwelling place, if you're a Christian, that is, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. If you're a, a, a Christian, the Holy Spirit is able to come and live, not just with you, but in you. The temple of the Holy Spirit is what the Bible says our bodies are. Quick application, when was the last time you were thought, thoughtful about that, that you remembered, appreciated His presence, that you noticed Him? taking up residence in you. Maybe your application today would be to be ye being filled, the Bible says. That means continually surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit and the power that He has for you, the way that He wants to use you. Now, here's, here's how this is tied into justification. The Holy Spirit, He lives in what? Splendor, holiness, purity. How in the world could the Holy Spirit go slumming and live in me? Because I'm just if I. I want to close with this thought again about back to uh, Christian, the, the way we view trials. Look at verse 3 again. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We shine in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because, it says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Here's the, the, the big thing that I don't want you to miss in the, the details. What Paul is saying here, the difference between a Christian in a trial and a non-Christian in a trial is supposed to be this. We know, it says, we know that in other words, and literally it means our eyes are open to this. We know, we perceive this, that in the midst of the trial, God is doing something. We're acutely aware in the midst of the trial that God truly does love us. It's poured out in our hearts. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Then he said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Please, please understand, I think you guys have figured it out by now, the Christian is never exempted from tribulation, from trial, from crushing hurt. Matter of fact, the Christian is not even protected from those things. But listen, the Christian, and only the Christian, can shine in that kind of crushing trial. And here's the key. If you forgot everything else... Listen to this. Ready? We're almost done. Here's why. The Christian, if he's thinking it through, does not see trial 
whether that's economic, health, whatever it is, does not see trial as punishment, but as a process of purifying, a process of refining so that he can get you into circulation. The Christian does not see the things, the bad things that happen to him or her as God is trying to ruin me, but God is going to refine me. Now here's the thing, if you disobey, if you make it difficult, God is patient. He can let you struggle as long as you want. But if you're His, He's not going to let you be unusable. But it's really, really important to understand God's motive in this. So many times Christians walk around looking like non-Christians. Because in their trial, they forget that God is not trying to ruin them. He's trying to refine them. Now, if you're like, okay, I want to believe that way, but I just have a hard time convincing myself. I think we have the key right here. You ready? If you're thinking, well, maybe God's trying to punish me. For the Christian, listen to this, those trials that happen to you, they must be not punishment, but a process of purification. For, for the Christian, those trials that happen to you, they must not be for your ruin, but for to refine you. You know how I know? Because the Bible says, through Jesus, you are just if I. He doesn't need to punish you. He doesn't need to punish you. He already punished Jesus in your place. And Jesus said, it is done, it is sufficient, it's enough. Do you get it? When bad things happen to you, please don't insult God by saying, you must be punishing me. That would mean that he, he thinks he needs to punish you twice for the same offense. Difficult times are going to come, but how are you going to see them? You don't need to look at them as punishment because you are just as if you'd never sinned. That's if you've given your life to Jesus. If you haven't, you can do it today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to, you, to uh, your people, Lord, and your word. I ask, Lord, that you please um, help us now as we want to understand your application, Lord. We want to put into practice, Lord, the things that you have for us. You know each heart here, you have something for each one of us. Lord, help us not to, be, not to miss it, to miss the thing that we, you'd have us to do, that we would be more and more conformed into your image. Lord, we love you and ask you to do this supernaturally as you just are so faithful to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Number one, benefit. we're talking about the benefits of justification. Here we go. Number one, we have peace with God. It's Father's Day, right? I don't know what your relationship was like with your father, but what we're talking about here is an awesome, loving, gracious father. If you've never given your heart or your life to him, you have an opportunity to, instead of meeting him as your judge, to meet him as your loving father. Many in this room have peace with God. My question directly as I can to you, do you? The only way that you will get it is by faith in Jesus. To, to end the war, the only way, your only way out is to surrender. If you will surrender to him, you can be just if I. Just as if you've never sinned. Number two, we have as a benefit of justification, we have access to God. 24-7, 365 days a year, we have access to a gracious king who when we go in to his holy of holies, he's actually smiling. Question, are you enjoying your access? Are you employing your access? Are you actually taking advantage of this awesome privilege? Or is it laziness or maybe guilt that keeps you out of his throne room? Well, the scripture we looked at says that we, we have access um, by, it says, faith into this grace in which we stand, not by works. Maybe, maybe that's the revelation for you today. Oh, even though I blew it, Lord, I come to you because you are good and you are gracious. 
Okay? He makes you by his blood just as if you'd never sinned. Maybe your application would be this. Hebrews 4.16. Write it down, memorize it, and begin to practice it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. If you need mercy this morning, come to his throne room. And it says grace to help in time of need. If you are a needy person this morning, come to him. You will find a smile on his face, graciousness in his heart toward you. Next. And we rejoice in the glory of God. Maybe for you, things are really tough right now. Maybe this is your application. You need to focus on the future. You need to understand that because you are justified, just as if you'd never sinned, your future is certain and you will see the glory of God. Maybe your application today would be, or this week, to boast. And you know what I mean. To share with anyone who comes across your path. Maybe, maybe it's by way of smile. Thinking in your head, I'm justified. I get to see a holy God one day face to face. Enter into a conversation. Ask the Lord, who would you have me to share this with this week? Next. Finally, we shine in tribulation. That might be the toughest one of all. The most unlikely. Looking at this group, you know, it would be interesting to, to have God go, okay, this one shines in tribulation. This one shrivels in tribulation. But we can it, it should be standard practice for all of us to shine in tribulation. Here's how. You've got to understand. You've got to have your eyes open to this. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Here's the, the might be the biggest paradigm shift for some in the room today. Understand what you're going through. If you're a Christian, is not punishment. It's not. It's Him proving you, setting you up that He can put you in circulation, purifying you, getting rid of whatever He needs to get, get rid of. Okay? It's a huge mind shift that you need to make. Some find it so difficult to approach Him when He has made it so easy. Okay? Spend the time doing what you need to do before the Lord God. Um, if you've never given your life to Him, don't waste this time. We don't know how many minutes, seconds, breaths we'll have, okay?